Hi folks, welcome to the Epochs of the Lotus Eaters, where I'm joined by Bo, and we are going to be talking about the devious, tyrannical, incompetent King John. And he is all those things. I know. <laughs> um, in history, it's a really easy pitfall to think someone's great or brilliant and did nothing wrong, hmm. and they're a hero. Um, and it's really easy also to fall into, conversely, that someone's just an out-and-out -out baddie. Yes completely irredeemable uh, but some some people do fall kind of do fall into both those camps don't they yes some people are completely innocent and kind of only did amazing things um, and some people are completely uh, irretrievable mm. for me John is very close to that if not that there's there's very very few things he did that seem to have been good or just or noble and a massive laundry list of true crimes mm. But also, you know, it seems like administrative incompetence as well. Yeah. He lost France. So. You know, we've said before, there's lots of people where it seems like whatever they touch turns to gold. Yeah, he's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the opposite. He really though. is. Yeah. Nearly everything he tried failed. Yeah. Nearly always. And it must be really frustrating. Because most normal people, like you or I, you're neither of those things, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you just go through the world normally and some things work, some things don't work out for you. Hmm. Um, it must, must be nice to have that Midas touch, like Richard, well, yeah. or like Alexander, or Wellington, or something. Uh, it must be really frustrating as well to be one of those people where everything you try turns to crap, makes you look stupid and humiliated. Um, yeah. Okay, but the thing is, that, that's, that's the consequence of not learning from your mistakes. Yes. Yeah, that's the consequence of being either arrogant or ignorant. And That's one of the things said about John, is that he didn't seem to learn really. Hmm. Uh, that is one of the sort of the broader things to say about him. Yeah. Um, very broadly, because um, I'm going to quote here massively from Oman today, because mm -hmm. it happens to be, in my opinion, one of the best, one of his best chapters is on John. Yeah. So, I did loads of Churchill last time. So anyway, so one of the most broad uh, criticisms of him is that he couldn't trust anyone. Hmm. Um, and all sorts of problems stem from that. If yes. you're sort of pathologically incapable of trusting anyone, um, it means no one can, apart from anything else, it means no one can trust you back. Yeah. Um, it means you're, you're constantly paranoid, even if, you know, you might have good cause to be paranoid. If you're, over, if you're paranoid about everyone always, mm. then you can, you can never ever build a foundational sort of base of, of power or support. I suppose if, he hadn't inherited quite a stable kingdom, then maybe that that would be reasonable. But I mean, his brother could trust people. His brother was well loved. The, it, didn't, it doesn't seem that England was rife with political faction necessarily. I mean, like not not you know. Maybe, obviously, there are political factions, but it's like you know, bloody division where brothers are stabbing each other in the night or something like this. That just doesn't seem to have been the case. Mm. So the, it seems to be a pathology of John himself mm. and not a problem with the nation. Yeah. Um, seems like he, if there was political faction, it was because he made it. <laughs> yeah, he was the political yeah, yeah, faction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like he always mistrusted everyone, or in his own mind, mm. always erred on the side of assuming you're about to stab him in the back. Yeah. yeah. And so he treated you with... Yeah sort of cold contempt, or something like that. That's probably um, because he stabbed people in the back. Yeah, yeah. 
It's a reflection of yeah, his own yourself, right? internal, yeah. When you assume everyone is evil, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. I think because only, you don't know any better than that? Yeah, I don't know. The, the only uh, common link in the chain here is you, John. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just saying. Yeah. Well, one first paragraph then from Oman, he said, quote, Richard the Lionhearted left two male kinsmen to dispute about his vast domains. These were Arthur of Brittany, the son of his next brother, Geoffrey, the one that died in a joust yeah. with an accident, uh, and John of Cornwall. Uh, just quickly say, he's got a few names, isn't he? John Lackland, right. often called John of Cornwall, yeah. John Lord of Ireland, Prince John and King John. Anyway, Oman decides to call him Cornwall here. Um, and John of Cornwall, his false and turbulent youngest brother. The English Great Council who, uh, chose John as king without any hesitation. And it does, we were told that mm. Richard uh, did name him, it, it, albeit not sort of formally and legally in writing or anything, but yeah. did, did say, apparently anyway, that he bequeaths England at least to John. Um, they, the, the Great Council of England, they would not take Arthur, a mere boy of 12, who had never uh, been seen in England. They preferred John in spite of his great and obvious faults. But in the continental dominions of Richard, there was no such unanimity. The unruly barons of Anjou and Aquitaine thought they would gain through having a powerless boy to reign over them, uh, rather than the unscrupulous and grasping Earl John. If it had not been for the old Queen Dowager, Eleanor of Aquitaine, who came forward to defend her best-loved son's claims and to persuade her Gascon vassals to adhere to his cause, John would never have obtained any hold on the continent. By Eleanor's aid, he triumphed for a moment, but baron after baron rose rose against him, using Arthur's name uh, as his pretense. Uh, And civil war never ceased from the moment of John's accession. So that's sort of the, the sort of immediate events that happened on the death of Richard. Mm. But uh, if it's all right, we'll go back and just talk a little bit oh, about yeah. his sort of earlier life. Uh, won't do it in too much detail because we've already done it a bit, haven't we? He's but, come um, up a lot. In case you're just watching this video mm. and none of the others. Um, so he was the youngest of the four boys of Henry II. Um, and he was a fair bit younger, though. Yeah. There's a bit of a, 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 a break between Geoffrey and John. So there's the oldest one, uh, Henry the Young King, then Richard, then this Geoffrey, mm. and then John. And uh, he's sort of born to the purple. So Henry II had already been king for something like 15 odd years by the time John's born. And even by the time Henry II dies, John's still quite young, he's sort of under mm. 20. Um, so you're old enough, you're, you're a man, and you're old enough to fight and and sort of set up a standard in your own right and all that sort of thing. But he's still stripling compared to Richard, let's say, yeah. compared to a lot of the great men of the age, like William Marshall and stuff. A lot of the great men of the age who have been in his family and are his brothers or father, or are closely associated with his brothers and father. So there's a, there's a part of me that does have a bit of sympathy in this regard, because he's got a lot of tough acts to follow. Mm. You know, he has got a lot of tough acts to follow. Like, you know, Henry's one of the greatest leaders of the age. And then his brother, the crusading, gallant Chad, King Richard. It's like, who just can't be defeated in battle. It's like, Mm. oh man, you know, just... And his other brothers were just impressive men in their own right. So it's just, 
I can I can understand why someone would end up being a bit resentful. Maybe I'm not yeah. saying it excuses anything, no, sure. but it is a series of tough acts to follow. And I see that. I get that as well. Um, I mean, in my own life, my own personal experiences, there's not one tiny 0.1 percent of that in my life and my mm. family that I'm overshadowed. Yeah. By anyone, so it just never really factors into. Yeah, I know, I'm not. Yeah, uh, right, so. but I, you, it must be bad though. Yeah. If like your granddad was FDR or something. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. But then your dad was Kennedy. Uh, you know? like, yeah. Right. Like, that's the thing, because yeah, yeah. all John's life, people would be like, "Oh, your dad's incredible. Your brother's incredible." Like, and he's. Uh, and, what well, about John, me? John. Yeah, King John. Oh, I like, thought you were talking about John Kennedy. No, no, no. But like, oh, it, it's the same same sort of principle, like. Everyone's going to be talking to you about your father mm. or your yeah. heroic brother, mm. and you're like, I'm just sick of hearing of them, to be honest. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. everyone would have been obsessing over them. Yeah. So it must be, yeah, especially if it's a very, very close family member, like your older brother. Yeah. Mm. Or your dad. Mm. <laughs> it's not even a you know remote an uncle or something. No, no, no. Just a quick aside. Pe- lots of people always said that George W. Bush. Mm. His whole life was, um, you know, is in the shadow of Bush Senior. That's true. Um, you know, he was head of the CIA and yep. obviously president and all that sort of thing, a fighter pilot and everything. But he was a one-term president. Mm. And when W got re-elected, you could see how happy he was because finally, yeah, on some level, surpassed his dad. Right. Yeah. Um, I say I've never had that sort of chip to on my shoulder yeah, yeah. to deal with. But it must, it must be really, really difficult. Yeah. yeah. And um, John certainly, well, it seems anyway, not certainly, but it does seem he, he suffered from, he was very, very bitter and resentful towards Richard. He, you know, he would have been, he must have been. Not only that the world sort of, sorry? And his dad probably. Mm, yeah. You know, not only that the world recognises his father and brother as great men, but he knows deep yeah. down they're, they're greater people than him. Oh, yeah. The other thing to say, where he's much younger and the fourth son, he was never, you know, all through his childhood and formative years, he was never supposed to be king. Yeah. He was never ever, you know, people would have thought there's no way he'll ever actually be. Should have been Henry's boys and then it should have been Richard's boys or uh, what was the other one, Jeffrey? Uh, the young King Henry, yeah, yeah, he should have yeah. had boys. Yeah, exactly. Have had kids and yeah. would have gone down through that line. Any of his three older brothers, would have, you would think, would have had children. Mm. One of them would have been a son and therefore... So, you know, you're just going to be a prince your whole life and... Ah. Well, I did mention one. Well, so the young king didn't have any. Richard didn't have any, incredibly, because he seems to have been... Uh, a shagger. Yeah. <laughs> a very, very high-level philanderer. Yeah. So it's sort of incredible he didn't have any legitimate children anyway. Mm. But the third brother, Geoffrey, did. And yeah. Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Arthur of Brittany. Yeah. As Geoffrey's uh, sort of... Henry II had given Geoffrey Brittany, basically, mm. or by marriage he'd got it. And anyway, there's this Arthur. And if you're going to be strict about it, it sh- after Richard the Lionheart dies, it should go to that Arthur. Mm. Um, but he was stu- you know, still too young, and yep. uh, John's just not going to have that. And as I mentioned there, Eleanor of Aquitaine, who's old now, she's like in her 80s, is she? Yeah, she's going to be getting on. Um, she hasn't got too many years left, but she's in her 80s and she's still a power broker. Yeah, she's still fiddling in the background. She's still sort of in control of Aquitaine and stuff. Mm. So, uh, and she 
preferred John over Arthur. So mm. I don't think she really had any power over Arthur. So, yeah. So when John is about 10 years old, Henry makes him Lord of Ireland, all of Ireland. Because um, that was one of Henry II's sort of very deliberate uh, policies, strategies, mm. wasn't it? Is was to give all of his sons uh, bits of the the Angevin Empire, yeah, and to marry his daughters off to the best people he could. Um, whether that was the best policy or not to do that, um, anyway, that's what he did. And I mentioned earlier, John's got a few different names, named by a few different things. Roman called him Earl John there, didn't he, at one point? Um, but John Lackland is one of them because his older brothers all had massive domains and he had nothing but it was not really particularly the case hmm. um, yeah so at the age of 10 he was made at least nominally the, the lord of ireland yeah what that means in practice probably not all that much it, right you yeah, know yeah it's just it's just a title did he even ever go to ireland did he never ever go to ireland i think he did go to ireland at some point i'm sure he did but yeah, there was no like an Irish yeah. campaign or anything. Yeah, or just an administ administration. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not certainly not as a child. Right. No. Right. Yeah. Um, and so by the time there's all the um, all the rebellions of his older brothers against his father, mm. in the later ones anyway, in the first ones, the first one with the young king, John's still small. Mm. But by the last ones, as I say, he's sort of a very young man at that point, and he even gets involved in it. One of the famous stories is that when Henry heard that John was on the list of traitors in the last one, that's what made him sort of give up the yeah. ghost. Uh, because Henry II loved John for some reason. There's a there's a distinct feeling of molly coddling with mm. John. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that I think has ruined him. <laughs> yeah. Molly coddled by Eleanor and Henry. He's the baby of the family who can do no wrong, yeah. even when he's 25 yeah. or something. Yeah. And doing wrong. Yeah. And there's a bit, again, I mentioned it in the Richard one, so I only say it in passing here, but there's when Richard comes back from crusade and he's, mm. he's got a choice to pardon John or not, he says, yeah, he's just a boy who doesn't know what he's doing. And again, he was in his late twin, mid to late 20s at that point. So yeah. it's just, yeah. The whole family clearly thought of him as just the young, like... You know, golden-haired little boy, you know, and, you know, it's like, no, he's an adult now, and he's, like, causing an insurrection in your kingdom. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think he's actually quite as innocent and naive as you think he is. And sort of just, the, like, you know, the baby of the family, runt of the litter, mm. um, like Ted Kennedy, something like that. <laughs> just a bit of a joke. Oof. There's a younger... There's a Neil Bush, isn't there? Is there? Yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah, there's Jeb. Yeah, yeah. And then, I uh, thought Jeb was the young. No, there's Neil Bush. And it's like, who cares about Neil Bush, mm. right? Never even heard of him. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, I've only heard of Jeb because of his phenomenal political career. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I can't say, can't accuse him of No, probably, you probably shouldn't camera. accuse him of anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, um, Omar says, uh, this is on the, the Arthur mm. thing and the rebellions that sprung up as soon as John became king, really. Um, Philip of France, who now, as always, had his own ends to serve, feigned to espouse the cause of Arthur and acknowledged him as his uncle's heir, alike in Normandy, Anjou and Aquitaine. 
Plus the classic Philip II, Philip yeah. of France thing. To be, oh, there's some sort of fissure between the Plantagenet family. Hmm. Going to take advantage of that. Yeah, so I mean, complete no-brainer. I don't blame them at all. Oh, it's yeah. a completely in character, and it's exactly what I would do. And you know, I don't think of myself as being like Philip of France, but it's just sensible. Right, from yeah. a rival political house. Well, yeah, obviously I'm going to support the underdog. Yeah. yeah. Cause trouble. Yeah. But remember, not too long before this, um, John and Philip yeah. had made common calls, sort yeah. of endlessly. Against Richard. Against yeah. Richard. Yeah. Um, it's funny, funny, interesting um, that in all these sorts of things, as soon as somebody dies, mm. all the power dynamics all change and flip around. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, again, obviously, I, I suppose. Again, this is just real politique for yeah. Philip. And yeah. I mean, he must have just been thrilled, to be honest. Oh, Richard's died, and that incompetent John has ascended the throne, and now there's basically a Plantagenet civil war. Brilliant. And he's got good. a nephew who's making claims. Yes. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is so good for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aren't you fortunate? Yeah. yeah. You can only imagine from Philip's point of view when he heard... Mm. Uh, the Coeur de Lyon had passed on. Oh, God, I'm so thrilled. Yeah, yeah what a load off. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, well, Richard oh, was, like, what, 40 when he gets back? Yeah, early 40s, yeah. Years, yeah. yeah, so it's like, right, he could probably have another 20 or 30 years. God, that could have been a nightmare. Mm. You know, please, God, let him get killed in battle. <laughs> some people, some of them are still fighting on in their 70s and 80s. Obviously, yeah, it's very yeah. rare. Yeah, but... William Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah old uh, Barbarossa. Yeah. Oh, I was... I was reading some Gibbon just the other day about one of the uh, one of the Gothic kings mm-hmm. soon after Alaric. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's probably it's almost certainly exaggerated. Yeah, but he was like a hundred and still leading his men in really? in battle. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I, I read um was about it this. Or, no, anyway, sorry. I I I've read um. Uh, no, I listened to a video about the Aztecs. And the formation of the Aztec kingdom was the Aztecs were under the heel of this other city. Uh, and the ruler of the city was apparently 106. Mm. And the, 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 the codices put it down to his very temperate eating and drinking uh, that caused long life. And the thing is, there is some scientific truth to that, actually. A restricted calorie diet means you live longer, which yeah. means I'm going to die soon. Because <laughs> I ate loads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no... Uh... Yeah, uh, obesity is... It's not even just, just obesity. It's terrible. It's not even obesity. Like, actually, if you eat like something like two-thirds of the calories you should eat, you'll just live longer. They've, do, they've done this experiment oh, in mice yeah. and stuff like that, and they live like you know, 30 or 40% longer. It's like, that's weird. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, any sort of inflammation is bad yeah. for you, yeah. Thus the war between France and England, which had dragged on through the reign of Richard, continued in a new form all through the time of John. There was a partial pacification in 1200 when Philip was brought off from Arthur's cause by the cession of the county of Evro. Uh, but he took arms again in 1202 on the flimsy pretext that John, as Duke of Normandy, refused to plead in French law courts against his own vassals. So, um, before we sort of dive into that, the mm. big, the true rift between England and France at this point, um, let's just do sort of the quick, quick overview of the intervening years from when John is, uh, you know, becomes a man on the stage, mm. but before he's actually king. So, um, again, just briefly, because we've done it a bit before, 
when Richard goes on crusade, which is very quickly after Henry II dies, yeah. he starts his preparations immediately. Well, he's vowed to do it long before, starts his preparations immediately, and he's gone within month, a few months or under a year, something like that. Hmm. And he's gone for a few years, and then he's back. And all that time, um, John was not left in any formal sense to be the regent of England, but he sets up essentially his own faith in England. Loads yeah. of the country, the, the, the West Midlands, um, like from Nottingham all the way down through where, where we are, sort of the West Country, loads of the South, Cornwall. The thing is that, like, the, the thing that's important to remember at this time is social rank is really important. And actually, John's social rank is really high, mm -hmm. uh, second only to Richard, really. So who can, who's really got the authority to oppose him? That's the question. He was born to the purple. Yeah, absolutely. and the, the only person who has the authority is a thousand miles away fighting his Saladin. So, yeah. Um, but so England um, is, is divided, though, because hmm. the, the law courts of the king and John's own law courts and tax collectors and all that sort of thing are sort of operating separately and in parallel. Hmm. Um, so there is an issue. But when... When Richard finally does get back after his imprisonment, um, he, John, at first, flees. Uh, but Richard, as we mentioned already, sort of effectively, or too, does completely forgive him. Too soft-hearted. And returns him to most of his yeah. titles and lands, not all of them. In fact, he gives some of them, some of the really strategically key ones in France, he gives them to that Arthur, hmm. his nephew, or both of theirs nephew, yeah. this Arthur. John, John's one of those people doesn't that doesn't forget, forget that. yeah. Yeah. Not going to forget that. Um, but he's returned to most of his... Just far too soft-hearted. I just can't get over it. Mm. Like, you're a ferocious warrior. Are you really this wussy about your brother? Mm. Yeah, he did just... Anyway. Yeah. We have covered that, and uh, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like... Well, it's not a prudent thing to have done, no. although it is kind of great. At the same time, I don't know. It's, it's it, it, it does know. show magnificence yeah. in the sort of Aristotelian sense. Yeah, you know that fine, and, it, and that, that is you know admirable. And it's not like it caused Richard any problem in his lifetime, I suppose. So, it's yeah. sort of that kind of alpha confidence. Yeah, when you just you genuinely don't register yeah. that people are even on your level in any way. It's I mean, not affected. What, what's John you know, going to do? Raise an army against me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got anything to do this yeah, summer. Yeah, exactly. Why yeah, not? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So one quick side to say, let's say this at this point. Um, he was married to an Isabella and, uh, and had children by her. And, um, and then sort of out in 1200, out of the blue, uh, just divorced her. Really? And remarried another Isabella. Um, and, uh, what from, are the odds? From, yeah, well, yeah, there's lots of, uh, lots of Is Isabellas at this time, mm. lots of Eleanors, lots, of, mm. lots and lots of Eleanors. Um, in the few generations before, there were lots of Matildas. Yeah. Anyway, Isabella's a very common name at this point. Um, Isabella of Angoulême, and I'm probably pronouncing that poorly. Yeah. Uh, she was between 8 and 12 years old at the time. Really? Yeah. And he consummated it immediately. Okay. So add to his crimes. Well, you being see, a I paedophile. didn't. 
I, I didn't even know about that because yeah. I was I was in fact about to say. So one of the things I mean I've never done like deep reading into Prince John, but it seems that he's a lot of things, but he wasn't a sexual degenerate. But I'll take that back. I mean I didn't realize she was like ten. Okay. Yeah. Um, Did she have lands or something? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She was an important heiress yeah. type person, reasonably important, and she'd already been betrothed to one of the Lusignan family. Hmm. Um, and we'll get into that, the repercussions of that in a moment. Uh, but yeah, some say she was uh, maybe as old as twelve, possibly fourteen. But I was reading someone just the other night hmm. um, that said she was eight. Because quite often you don't know people's exact ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really common, actually. It's yeah. not weird that we don't know her exact age. But yeah. she was a child. Right. Uh, quite possibly just a you know, completely prepubescent child. And he consummated it immediately. And it, even in those days, people were like, what was that? Yeah, John. Like, what are you... What? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. There's very little you can point to to John that's like, oh, that was that was good, that was cool, that was great. I can't think of it's, anything. Yeah, <laughs> I, really, I really, literally yeah. can't think of damn thing. So in yeah. like by by 1200, 1202, um, things start. The relationship with France just is is breaking down. Yeah. And in fact, Philip um, wants it to. Mm. He calculates that um you know he's sort of got he's got john's number yeah if it comes to politics or or or, or actual uh, military campaigns he feels like he can beat him which is so, probably a fair thing to feel because why wouldn't you think that yeah so bring it on yeah um so he does it's one of those things i mentioned it there uh, i have to get a tiny tiny bit technical about um how you can be a king and a duke hmm. or, or, or a count or an earl, all these sorts of things, but and also a king. So, you know, John's supposed to be Duke of Normandy hmm. and King of England. Yeah. Uh, but he was supposed to hold his, his uh, Norman dukedom from the King of France. Yes. Well, this has long been the contention between England and France after the Norman Conquest. The mm. Dukes of Normandy are the vassals of the French king. But of course, the Dukes of Normandy own a gargantuan empire that spans from the Pyrenees to the very north of Scotland and to the Atlantic Ocean and you know, very close to Paris, actually, at points. Mm. And so mm. it's just like, uh, are we really your vassals? Really? Yeah. Well, it's just down the Seine and you're at Paris. Yeah. That's where Richard yeah. built that his uh, Fort Galliard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's, it's literally vast. Like uh, you know, at this point, the English own more of France than the French. So, you know, Fra France is a region around Paris at this point, really. And so it's like, okay, what now? Yeah, um, it's sort of a little bit bigger than that, but still everything you said there is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. I know, um, I know I'm... Yeah. Uh, tiny, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, some... uh, okay, tip my foot yeah, yeah. Okay, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough, Reddit. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. the, 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 it is a much smaller place than we imagine it to be now. And this and this is the one of the issues about the sort of accruing of feudal titles. Like obviously, you don't want to give these things up. Um, 
but they come with baggage. They come with obligations and oaths that are like ropes and chains that attach to other things and link the whole world together. And that's why these oaths are so damn important. This is why being an oath breaker was like, it's not just, oh, you've betrayed me. It's you threaten to undermine. If everyone can break their oaths, then you undermine the entire system of Western Europe. So, you know, this is underpinned by God. You know, this is, you know, these oaths are sworn in the sight of God and they're sworn in the sight of your peers. And so being an oath breaker is literally the worst thing you can do at this point. Mm -hmm. And so this is why these, you know, and so, okay, now I've got the, I've got a chain of titles that all have a series of oaths attached to them to other titles. And so whoever holds the title inherits the obligations that the title has attached to it. And it's a very, very complicated system that re that creates some really, really strange circumstances, mm. like the, mm. the current issue between England and France. Yeah, the other thing, in the Anglo-Saxon times, you if you broke an oath, you were called nithing. Oh, yeah. Which means you're sort of worthless, is what that means. Yeah. Sort of, it means you're not a man, and more than that even, you're sort of, you're of no value now. Yeah, but there's also the, the term warlock has entered modern English as some sort of evil sorcerer. But it means literally oathbreaker. Right, yeah, that's the thing. It literally means oathbreaker, and that word has become a, a word of evil in mm. modern day English. Mm. You know, so I'm not you know, even now. You know, <laughs> when nobody would even think what you know to to hold an oath for anything, mm. uh, it's still you know a holdover. Is it's a negative thing? Well, it's a classic thing, isn't it? Well, in our world. Oh well, we, it's not in writing. It's not in black and white. So, yeah. so that's it. Any verbal contract we had, like, yeah. don't, don't be a chump. Of course, I don't have to yeah, yeah. abide by that. Yeah, it's a very, very different thing. I really but, hate that as well. Like, I, I you know, the, the reason we have mm. contracts here is because the law forces us. I w literally, I did everything on, on my word before setting up this business. Mm. Yeah, you know, and you know, I've still got John and Callum here. You know, years later, you know, so I just, I, I really think that your word is a really important thing, way more important than what's written down. Anyway. Yeah, it should be, yeah. Yeah. Just I, having integrity, isn't it? Any sort yeah. of moral integrity that you mean what you say. Yeah. Yeah. And the, this, this, the, and the whole world is predicated on these oaths. I think that's awesome. I think that's a way more interesting way of having things done. And it, it, such a better test of character rather than, oh, the law is going to be... You know, I'm going to take you to court for a breach of contract. And it's like, mm. yeah, okay. You know, that's just, that, that's not, that, what that is, is preventing a person from doing harm rather than knowing that the person is decent in and of themselves and won't do harm. Mm. You know, that's, anyway, I'm going mm. on a tangent mm. now. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.